We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, I will discuss abortion. I'm going to do so within the context of this leaked document from the Supreme Court that apparently indicates that they are going to send the issue of abortion back to the states. I'm also going to share with you a lot of data that you probably haven't heard before with regard to the public opinion and the dramatic swing toward life rather than death. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to The Rebellion. Thanks for listening in. As I said in the introduction, today I want to talk about the issue of abortion and what the left, the progressives, have called for some 50 years, the right to abortion, abortion rights. This argument that somehow there's a group of human beings that have the right to terminate the life of another group of human beings. That's really what we're talking about right now. And that's what we've been doing for 50 years plus in the United States. One group of human beings has decided that it is their legal right to execute another group of human beings. One group of human beings has decided that another group of human beings is less than fully human. This is what we've been doing in our culture, and it set the stage for a lot of the other problems that we're encountering right now with regard to critical theory. We set ourselves up for the degradation of a certain sector of society, a certain group of people within our population. We set ourselves up to find it acceptable to label some people as being less than human. When Nick Cannon says that people with less melanin in their skin are not fully human, he's, he's employing the exact same logic that the abortion rights advocates employ. When Nicole Hannah-Jones says that white people aren't fully human, that they're less than human, when others do the same thing, when this critical theory leader from Toronto, Canada said the exact same thing, I mean, it's, it's not just a couple of people that are saying this. Many leaders on the critical theory side of the debate are labeling groups of people as being less than fully human. And as I've said before on this show, this is exactly what Hitler did, the Third Reich did. You've seen the graphs and the charts where the Nazi regime actually put out pictures of Jews, stereotypical images of what Jews supposedly looked like, and they used those pictures as arguments to prove that Jews were descendants of animals. They actually argued that Jews were descendants of apes and pigs. And in fact, even today, we know that in some Muslim countries, young children are still being taught those deplorable, those terrible lies about other human beings. So how did we get here? How are we at this point in our nation? Well, if you turn back the clock some 50 years... You see that in the 1970s, when we decided that a group of people could label another group of people as being less than fully human and less deserving of human rights and less deserving of the protection of life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness, they didn't deserve to benefit from the Constitution in the same manner that another group of people 
deserved that protection. When we made that decision, we set this thing in motion. We opened up Pandora's box. We decided that a group of people, by virtue of their ability, their location, and their age, didn't deserve to be recognized as fully human. They didn't have the ability to survive without the assistance of another person. They didn't have the benefit of being located in the right place. And in fact, if they just moved a few inches, all of a sudden, voila, magic! They now are fully human, and they deserve the protection of the Constitution. But just a few seconds earlier, before they exited the birth canal, just a few seconds earlier, when they were a few inches removed from the place that they are right now, they weren't human, and we could kill them. And that's what we're talking about today. In fact, as I've told you, Assembly Bill 2223 in California is actually making it legal now to kill them after they exit the birth canal. And don't let anybody tell you that that's not the case for that bill. It is true. California's House Bill, excuse me, Assembly Bill 2223 makes it legal to exterminate a child up to 60 days after birth. It's in their law. They they define the word perinatal. They define it, and it's up to 60 days post-birth. So if they don't mean it, what they put the word in the law for in the first place? They're the ones who put it there. They chose that word. And the word as it's defined in California Health Code is up to 60 days. And in the midst of this leaked document, Gavin Newsom is now out saying that he will not comply if the Supreme Court does what it's going to do. He's going to continue. He's going to continue to double down. And frankly, the Supreme Court ruling will probably give states the right to make these decisions. So the battle isn't over. The pro-life proponents, you and I who believe that every child has the full protection of the Constitution, that every child is defined by God as a human being. You and I, who believe that God defines life, human beings don't. Democracy doesn't define life, and a minority of nine judges in black robes doesn't define life. Gavin Newsom doesn't define life. God defines life. We don't. And that's really the issue in play here right now. But I'm going to share with you some statistics after we take a break that may shock you. They're actually positive statistics, and it proves that ideas have consequences and that education matters. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion, and I will be right back in a couple minutes. Okay, welcome back to The Rebellion. What I'm going to do in the rest of the show is I'm going to share with you some data that Kristen Hawkins, the president for Students for Life of America, Kristen Hawkins, president, Students for Life of America, This is a pro-life organization, and Kristen Hawkins has been the leader of this group for some time. And she's out there, oh, on all of the news outlets frequently, defending the right of our youngest children. I don't even like calling them unborn or pre-born children. They're children. They're children. If I have any difference of opinion with what Kristen Hawkins and others say right now, it's their use of the uh, qualifier pre-born child or unborn child. It's a child. Let's just call it what it is. This is a baby. When a mother is pregnant, she's carrying a baby. She's carrying a child. 
She has a little boy or a little girl. This is what we celebrate when the doctor says, when he looks at the ultrasound, or she shows you the picture of your baby. Baby, okay? Moving, sucking its thumb, kicking its legs, its heart beating. This is your baby. This is a human being. It's a boy. It's a girl. When somebody suffers a miscarriage, they don't say, I lost my preborn child. Uh, they say, I lost my baby, and they mourn the loss of their child, their baby, their boy, their girl. And I think we should start communicating this way. Get rid of the qualifiers, the preborn stuff. So that's why when I talk on this show, I always say our youngest children, a human being. I don't buy into the qualifier of preborn or unborn. This is a human being, pure and simple. End of story. All right, so Kristen Hawkins. And um, here's what she put out just yesterday. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm going to use her notes. In fact, she gives permission to anybody that has access to this to use her notes, even without attribution to her. But I'm going give to give you uh, the source from which it came. And it's a reliable source. She starts out by saying this in her talking points. She was uh, quoted by the New York Times recently, where she said, We don't know whether the rumors of the end of Roe are accurate, but we know that ending Roe is the right decision. She says that returning the issue to the people is the right constitutional thing to do. She goes on and says this, You don't find the word abortion written in invisible ink in the Constitution, undiscovered until seven men in black robes saw it in 1973. Ending human life is and always has been a judicial error. That's her language. That's an understatement. Yes, a judicial error. It's criminal, it's immoral, it's wrong, it's evil. Back to her words. Ending human life is and always has been a judicial error. The court cannot allow the bullying tactics of the left combined with the threat of chaos caused by an unprecedented leak to change the right course of their actions. And their actions should be to end Roe v. Wade. That's Kristen Hawkins. Sidebar on this whole thing, she's absolutely right. If the court gives in, if we give in and let these orchestrated riots across the nation, this violence, this anger, this vitriol, this hatred, this lawlessness, if we allow that to prevail just because of this leaked document, if the court loses its spine, if the conservatives back down in the face of this threat, we are not a nation of laws any longer. We will be nothing but a nation of power. And those that wield the sword are going to dictate to everybody else, everybody else, what they think, what they do, where they will go, what kind of laws we will and will not have. We will be nothing but a third world tyranny. Really, that's what we will be. We will either be ruled by the gang or ruled by the tyrant. If we allow this, this to prevail, this tactic, this was intentional, and the Soros crew, all of these organizations that are funded by George Soros and others, from the Democratic Party on down to all of these pro-choice organizations, they're all ready. They're all ready to burn, to loot, and to destroy. We cannot allow that cultural temper tantrum to prevail. 
Here's what Kirsten Hawkins says in terms of uh, the percentages of people across the nation and what they think of this. Now, this is what may surprise you. It's good news. It's good news. Nearly six out of 10 young people, the largest voting bloc in America, oppose Roe when they know what Roe allows. In other words, a little education informing them what Roe really allows results in 60% of young people, millennials and Gen Zers, to oppose Roe. Did you know that? And eight out of 10 young people support being able to vote on abortion policy in their state. 80% of Gen Zers and millennials, eight out of 10, support putting this back in the hands of states, federalism, and allowing the states to make their own decisions, that this should not be uh, dictated from the Supreme Court to all of the land, that each state should make its own decisions. Now, I don't think any state should make abortion legal, but I do support the incremental step of putting this back into the hands of the states. And if Gavin Newsom wants to go into crazy land and make his his state uh, a factory for butchering young children, then hopefully the people of California will rise up and vote Gavin Newsom out of office as well as anybody else that's supporting that butchery and holocaust. So I, I, I think it's encouraging news to know that 8 out of 10 young people, Gen Zers and Millennials, support being able to vote. That means taking it back to the states. Federalism allowing each state to vote on abortion policy. Now, you need to remember this. When the left accuses the conservatives, pro-lifers, of being against women, you got to remember that we've got 3,000 pregnancy centers, at least 3,000 pregnancy centers and 400 maternity homes, just under the auspices of Students for Life. In other words, conservatives are the ones out there providing for unwed mothers, providing for children that have been born into these situations, giving a young mom and a young child an opportunity, the resources necessary to get a start in life. Women do not stand alone in a post-Roe America, says Kristen Hawkins. And she's right. I used to be on the board of one of these pregnancy centers. They do an excellent work. They serve tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of women and children across the nation. Now, more from Kristen Hawkins. The Constitution does not include a right to abortion, but The Constitution does include the acknowledgement of given states and states' rights, right? Back to the point. This is not something that should be decided by the Supreme Court of the United States or anybody else, quite frankly, in Washington, D.C. This is a good move to put this back into the hands of the people of each of the individual states of the United States of America. And then let the citizens of each state fight this out. When I say fight it out, I don't mean violently, obviously. I mean rhetorically and legally. Fight it out in the court of public opinion, the market score of ideas. Let the proponents of abortion defend the dismantling, the dismembering of young children, tearing their arms and legs off while they're alive, seconds before they're born, and then selling their body parts, their lungs, their hearts, their eyes, their livers, to academic institutions, to universities for research purposes. This, 
Why do you think they don't want you to see pictures of what actually is going on in these clinics? It's because what I just described is real. And I don't care where you stand on this issue. What I just said is, an, is a fact. They dismember babies. They actually dismember them, and they sell their body parts for research. Okay? So the state's rights are in the Constitution. The right to abortion is not. And Kristen Hawkins reminds us that of the obvious, logical statement that your rights and my rights end where another person's rights began. As Thomas Jefferson said, as long as it doesn't break my leg or pick my pocket, then you have freedom to do what you want. But if you do venture out and assault me and break my leg, then your rights stop right then and there. You do not have the right to violate my physical safety, my bodily autonomy. You also don't have the right to steal my property. That's what Jefferson was saying when he said, as long as it doesn't break my leg or pick my pocket, then you have the freedom to do as you will. Your rights end where another person's began. That's just common sense. We all live that way. None of us think someone else has the right to just walk up to us on the sidewalk and pop us in the nose. No, that would be a violation of your rights if they did that. They don't have the legal right to do that to you. They don't have the right to be violent toward another person. They don't have the right to hurt someone else. They don't have the right to kill somebody else. That's called murder. Nobody has the right to do that. Your rights always end where someone else's began. So what we're looking at right now is the issue of returning abortion back to the states. That's what this is all about. It doesn't outlaw abortion. What it says is each state should decide for itself what limits it wants to put on abortion. Again, I think it's an incremental step. I, I, I don't think any state should make it legal, but I do think strategically and logically and legally this is an excellent point and it will save millions of lives. So if you're an abolitionist out there and you think that this is a compromise, I disagree with you. If I can save, let me put it this way, if 100 babies are going to die because of current law, if 100 babies are going to die before noon today because of existing law, and if I can change the law and save 10 of those babies, um, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to celebrate the fact that I saved 10 lives before noon today. And you may say, well, yeah, but you consigned the 90 to death. Well, do you want all 100 to die? Do you want 90 of the 100 to die and you save 10? And if you can keep chipping away at that, I don't apologize for doing so. I would equate it with triage. You make decisions in a field hospital to save as many lives as you possibly can. And as you work toward better technology, better services, better awareness, you save more and more lives. If you could wave a magic wand over the situation and, and suffer no deaths at all, no loss of life, then absolutely, that is the ideal but I'm not going to apologize for taking a step to save 10 lives before noon today. I just won't apologize for that incremental strategic move. So we don't know if the rumors about Roe being reversed are accurate, but we do know that they should be. Those rumors should be accurate and Roe should be overturned. The Supreme Court is responsible 
for the current chaos that we that we experience right now. They created this monster. They created this Frankenstein by wresting control unto themselves and taking it away from the states back in the 1970s. Even Justice Ginsburg said something about this. Did you know that? She said that Roe was not a measured motion. That's her language because it invited no dialogue with legislators. In other words, she was critical of the fact that they took too much authority unto themselves, that it was not a measured motion, excuse me, not a measured motion because it invited no dialogue with legislators. In other words, they excluded the legislative branch from the process. She admitted that. All right, let's look at some of the data. We've got a few minutes left. More than 63 million children have been killed because of this atrocity that was brought into play in Roe v. Wade. Now, here's what, here's what Students for Life have discovered in their polling. As recently as this year, uh, it, through their Dimitri Institute for a Pro-Life Advancement, they conducted a poll, and they found this. And this is a legitimate poll. This isn't just push-polling. They actually ask good questions, because they want to know. Roe actually has very little support, even right now as we stand here with millennials and Gen Zers. More than ever, millennials and Gen Zers want a voice and a vote on abortion. An astonishing 8 in 10 want to vote on abortion in their states. 8 in 10, 80%, and that's up from 66% just last year. So what's happening? People are getting information. They're seeing the facts. Here's another one. Three out of four millennials and Gen Zers want limits with more than four in ten favoring either no abortion at all or abortion limited to the exceptions of rape and incest or to save the life of the mother. So 75% of millennials and Gen Zers believe that there should be limits on abortion. That Gavin Newsom in California are, are evil and nuts making abortion legal up until birth and even afterward. So three out of four millennials and Gen Zers want to put limits on this, on this thing, on this issue of abortion, because they recognize there's a problem here. We're killing human beings. We shouldn't do it. So here's an interesting stat. After learning more about Roe, almost six in 10 people, 60%, oppose Roe's radical reach of abortion through all nine months of pregnancy. So, uh, obviously, I mean, that's we, we know what they're saying right there, that after learning that this is actually a human being, after seeing an ultrasound, seeing the baby moving, sucking his thumb, kicking, moving around healthy, this is a separate human being. This isn't a, a wart. This isn't a tumor. This isn't just a, a lump. This is a different individual. It's a different person somebody that is unique with their own hands and arms and ears and nose. And when people learn that, six in ten oppose Roe's radical reach. I guess the downside of that is after seeing those facts, we still have 40% of people that say it's okay to kill that person. That's really sobering. But let's let's focus on the positive. Six in ten people in the Gen Zer and millennial category actually believe that it's wrong to kill a child up to nine months of pregnancy after they learn more about what this human being actually is and what it does, what he or she does. They, they, they know that the universal sign of life, a heartbeat, matters. Millennials and Gen Zers know that. 50, 
52%, I'll say that again, 52% indicate that after a baby's heartbeat is detected that they want either no abortion at all or abortion only in exceptions of rape, incest, and where the mother's life is in danger. And that 52%, it's up from 47% just last year in 2021. So the numbers are going in the right direction. Why? Because people have more information. Education matters. Ideas have consequences. And in this case, ideas apparently are having a positive consequence. Don't let anybody tell you that you're standing alone when you're supporting life. The numbers are going in your direction. The, the data shows that more and more people are agreeing with us that a baby should be protected, not killed. More than half of millennials and Gen Zers would support a ban on abortion when a heartbeat is detected. Again, that's 52%, up from 48. Two out of three millennials and Gen Zers support requiring a doctor to check for a heartbeat before engaging in an abortion. Two out of three. Two out of three Gen Zers and millennials believe that a, an abortion should be illegal unless a doctor first checks for a heartbeat. And if there is a heartbeat, it shouldn't happen. That's 65% in support of that. And that's up from last year at 60%. Again, the numbers are moving in the right direction. This poll shows that judges and politicians are the wrong people to decide who is a human being. This is what Kristen Hawkins says. Humanity should not be decided by those in power. When considering how devalued people have been treated historically by those in power, again, this is her language, Kristen Hawkins says, 65% of millennials and Gen Zers did not support allowing people in power to decide who is fully human and deserving of legal rights. About half believe that life is defined by medical milestones and not individual opinions opinions of judges and politicians. In other words, medical milestones, is there a beating heart? Is this individual human as defined by medicine, as defined by reality and not politics and opinions and power? The bottom line and the moral to the story here is that education matters. More information leads to better results. Some more data, very quickly. 67% oppose sex selection abortion. 60% were concerned about the disproportionate numbers of minorities losing their lives at the hands of abortion. 58% oppose abortion through all nine months. 55% oppose taxpayers funding abortion or underwriting abortion providers such as Planned Parenthood. These are good numbers. Even with millennials and Gen Zers, who I often criticize for their selfishness and their moral nihilism, they still have the thumbprint of God on their heart, mind, and soul, and they recognize that this stuff is wrong. And if you educate them about the facts, what's really happening, you're killing a human being, a fully function, functioning human being, and that nobody else has the right to define what's human other than God. It's not an issue of power or politics. It's just a pure and simple fact that a human being is made in the image of God, the Imago Dei, and no one else has the right to take that individual's life. Regardless of location, regardless of age, regardless of ability, nobody has the right to define or take a life from another human being. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Re